This is Glenn Crooks on Frame. On Tuesday, I joined thousands of supporters to celebrate New York City FC's MLS Cup Championship, the team honored on the steps of City Hall. I spoke to three men who all played different roles. Assistant coach, goalkeeper coach, Rob Vartugian, his keeper in the MLS Cup MVP, Sean Johnson, and Oscar Garcia, a member of the Third Rail Supporters Club, one of the first founding members at New York City. First, the keeper coach, who has been with the franchise from the beginning. The match at Orlando before over 60,000 in 2015, and now the MLS Cup. Let's just review your emotions right at the end. I mean, we got pictures of it, but what, what, what did it mean? Uh, it, surreal. I think, I think that's the best way to describe it is just surreal. Um, you, you get lost in the moment, and you, know, you sit there, and especially you go through penalties again, and you go through the roller coaster of that. You go through knowing you're five seconds away, and they, you have it, and they find the goal when they do. And you know you got 30 minutes left, but you know what that can do to a team. And so, and you get there at penalties, and the group, we had a real confidence about us because of New England away, and, and you could feel it, but the actual, when it happens, you, you get overwhelmed and it's not even it's happiness it's maybe relief it's but it's also just complete euphoria I, mean, I, I couldn't stop crying you just think about the journey and what it's been and the stress the pressure the roller coaster of it all and in that moment you just you get lost you just lose it now your roller coaster started from the first kick of the franchise though too I mean you've been there from the start so even maybe a little more meaningful yeah I mean that you know I think for all of us, it's, it's it feels the same in that moment, you know. And you start to think about when when things settle down, and you go through the the whole journey and the man, the losses to Toronto, Columbus, Atlanta, Toronto again in '19, last year Orlando. How many times we lost on penalties? And you think about what we did this year to be where we were eight nine weeks ago. Goody scores a free kick. We finish with a draw on Atlanta. We get a crucial point, and then we come back and have a convincing win against DC. We don't we don't look back after that. We loot. You end up Miami away, win. Then you go on the run. We did to beat three teams on the road in the playoffs on the way to lifting it. And you start to think back of all the previous years and all the suffering. Most of these guys, the core of them, were in a part of that. And you just know you finally kind of break through that barrier, and you get to. You get to see all these people. You get to see the emotion. And it's priceless. It's 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 overwhelming to be honest. And I, for me, it didn't sink in, really sink in, until I watched the Hammerstein Ballroom celebrations, and that is one of the most incredible things I've seen in sport. It doesn't matter that here us. I'm talking worldwide to watch the way that they've compiled that video and to see them live out that emotion is oh, is incredible, incredible. And you mentioned the, the highs and lows of it, and none more evident than in that match. I mean, you know, you're only human. You're one of the coaches, you're one of the leaders, and you're trying to keep everybody together at that moment. What was that like, though, when, when everybody headed over to the sideline to get ready for overtime? It, I mean, you have a moment of, like, you're still processing what just happened. I mean, the goal scored, and then we end up within five seconds on the sideline because all of a sudden we're not. it's not over and we're playing more. And so... To be honest, like nobody got really low. Everybody was pretty calm. Um, 
you're, you're still trying to understand like you got people complaining because it's a foul and at the end of the day nothing's changing that and so in that moment it's just gathering everybody to say listen most important thing is we've been in this spot so many times I mean it happened in New England it, we had that game one they find a goal in the two goals in stoppage time we score first they score with two three minutes left so it's not as if that's foreign to us in this group the character of this group you didn't feel overwhelmed you didn't feel like because that would kill teams. That moment would kill teams if they haven't had experience. But this group, they have personality, they have character, and they've, they've been there. So it wasn't panic. The guy you work with uh, every day, you go to penalties, and Sean Johnson, in both penalty kick shootouts in the playoffs, comes up big. Two saves in a penalty kick shootout. That's, uh, that's enormous, yes? Yeah. It is. It is. It's... But it's not for lack of work, you know. You can stay there and think he just picked the side and went. I mean, he's he's the consummate professional. He studies, and so he's just prepared for that moment as, as anybody. And you know, I, I I'm so happy for him to have that moment because people don't see the work behind the scenes and the commitment behind the scenes and the effort to to lead a group. Um, and that's that can be heavy-handed for for a lot of people. And he's somebody that you look at his performances and during this run especially and for him to have that moment at that stage is 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 pretty special so penalties i know you're involved in the set pieces are you at all involved in penalty selection i mean wh wh how does that work is that is that at all in your repertoire no we i mean we you know it's I, ronnie ronnie takes the shooters he's he makes decisions it's ronnie's amazing in how collaborative he is with everybody and so it's pretty incredible how much he allows everybody to have a voice and values everybody's opinion. And so, you know, he's, he's the boss. He took the decision. And then there's a bunch of guys that we talk through that he looks back and, you know, asks, always asks what you think about everything. And so, you know, he's he's the man. He takes the big decisions. And in that moment, he took the decision on the shooters. Um, but you are front and center with the set pieces at the top or near the top in set piece goals all year long in uh, MLS. And then the... Uh, the, the golden regulation off a set piece. That's got to be a proud moment. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm happy for for the guys. It's it's you know, they this year they've they were in that part of the game they were a dominant team and it was scored a lot of goals that way. It's not it's not me. You know, at the end of the day, coaches give players ideas. You try to convince them and make them believe and hope they see what you see in the end and. There's no better reward is when they when they find goals and success because then the buy-in is easier and it's a team that found success that way this year. Um, we scored two good goals against Atlanta off corners and all year long we have put fear in teams that way. So happy for them in that moment. That doesn't matter that that's how the goal came. It's a we say all the time when you're in championships, you look at tournaments across the world, set pieces to side games, and so thankful for us we, we had a good year that way and in a big moment we were able to, to find it. Did you rise from your seat when uh, Morales got that flick header on the front post? Uh, oh that so, was close. <laughs> so upset because that should be a goal. It should be a goal. I mean you look at half of the corners we score this year are that exact goal with someone smashing it at the back post. So, But at the end of the day when you win you don't have to pull a player inside and say why weren't you there. New York City led MLS with 10 corner kick goals in 2021 under the guidance of Rob Vertugian, whose keeper, Sean Johnson, was named MLS Cup MVP. A key save in overtime against Christian Paredes of Portland and then two saves in the penalty kick shootout. If you could relive the penalties for a moment, I mean, 
I don't know how many shootouts you've been in, but have you ever saved the first two penalties in a shootout in, in, in your career, whether it's youth or anything? Uh, I have not. This is the first the first year, uh, three penalty shootouts in a year. Uh, pretty incredible. Um, but, yeah, to, I, I think now, I mean, a total of maybe a five or so saves in three three penalty shootouts is uh, – it's pretty rare. Um, it's special for me as a goalkeeper because you know you want to you want to live in those moments. You want to be uh, somebody your team can count on in those moments, and uh, to do it in the fashion that we did as a group, um, for me that's going to live forever. The the penalty kick shootout is a uh, is just a product of getting something done in the in regulation and overtime and what you know you're the captain but you're human after that mora goal what was it like coming back to the sideline and getting in the huddle i mean what what yeah, can was, you it do was, it was emotional um yeah i think for for most of the guys like we've given everything you know over the course of 90 minutes and to have a goal scored uh, in the last 30 seconds of the game uh could be a pretty emotional one but you know i let everybody have a few minutes and then just said look guys like we've been in this position before everybody stay calm don't panic um you know there's 30 minutes left to win a championship. You know, the opportunity's still ahead of us. The game's not over. Um, we're going to have to do it the hard way, but we wouldn't want it any other way. That's how we've done it all, all the way up until this point. So let's, uh, let's, let's buckle in and let's go for it. There is a sequence you'll remember because your team had 35 passes, ended up with a shot, and the next thing you know, they're coming down your throat and you have to make the save on Paredes. Yeah, that's, that's Portland. Uh, they defend, they defend, and they hit you on the counter. So... Uh, yeah, so much going on in the game, uh, so many, so many different situations. But ultimately, dealing with all those situations over the course of, of 90 minutes and an extra 30, and then a penalty shootout—that's what champions are made of. And uh, I'm proud of the group. Is, the per group. is performing uh, in those penalty situations—is that more experience? Is that more you studying? What, what, what are? You, have you built yeah, a? Yeah, I, I would say more experience. You know, um, in the moment, you, you never know what a player is going to do. Um, players could make up their minds to, to go one way and change at the last second you know you could maybe be sure of yourself uh something you want to do and you see something you're you, you make a change last minute so you know you never know you never know um but just just really living in the moment that's what i try to do just try to stay calm stay focused and uh and just time it right make a save sean when you came here from chicago i remember you i think you'd only played one playoff game in your seven-year yeah. career you've played many more now but a lot of frustrating ones as well so that probably adds to the emotion this year yeah you know we talked about it all year you know I talked with Maxime and Maxi and they basically said guys we've been through a lot you know we've been through a lot of experiences a lot of playoff runs unsuccessful but learning experiences and everything's happened differently um, but we need this year to make sure that we, we take those experiences and and uh, capitalize on them so in the, in the games we had being dominant against Atlanta uh, the chaos that ensued in New England Philly being on, not so great on the day, but figuring out a way to win. I think all those things are a culmination of the past five years that we've had together. And the and the group you mentioned, yourself, Maxime Collins to his left, yeah. and, and Maxi in the middle. Yeah. Uh, you guys, it was near flawless against Portland, don't you think? Yeah, I think the, the performance is unbelievable. Um, we limited opportunities. Uh, we, we possessed the ball well. Uh, we fought hard. I mean, everything you saw in that game was our team in a nutshell. Um, so a, a special way to win it for us in a place that's incredible to play in. Um, we had you know 2,000 plus traveling supporters up there with us, uh, best fans in the world, um, and to do it in that fashion, I think, is uh, something that will will live forever in history. How did City Hall treat you? You have fun? City Hall was great. Uh, to you know, that's you asked me that question when I first got here and said, 
Do you ever think you'll be standing, you know, making a speech at, at City Hall? Uh, I would have, I would have told you that uh, that would that would be a big dream, and I'll try to make it happen. But you know, pretty surreal day. The fans are all out here in full force. You know, the mayor's welcomed us. You know, keys to the city. You know, it's it's a dream come true. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll enjoy it. Also enjoying it, the supporters. A large group that included founding member Oscar Garcia, a third rail member from Whitestone, Queens. I know you were out at Portland. Tell me what it was like for you. Unreal. It was the best birthday present anyone can hope for. It's a big one, too. 6-0. How did you get out there? I heard all kinds of stories. I even heard some people drove. I, I was lucky to book the seat to JetBlue the uh, Sunday about 6 o'clock after the uh, Philly game. So I had direct flight, no problem. And I had points, so it was great. I was there with my daughter. I've got to say, how many people did you travel yeah, with? Just, no, my daughter, but then though, I'm a TR member, so everybody, all my buddies, friends. I went to Costa Rica last year too, so I met so many people there, but they were all there. How old is your daughter and does she play? Yeah, my daughter played all the way to high school. She played for Cardozo High School. Nice. She was a sweeper, but then uh, puberty came in and she said, I don't know, but she's still a fan. She's a big fan, like me. Have you been there from the start? When did you join the club? Oh, I'm there from the beginning, yeah. I was, I don't know what number I was, but I was one of the first founding members. So you've experienced it all. Can you sum it up a little bit from start to finish? I mean, there have been some uh, rough patches along the way. Very frustrating the first year, two years, you know, how we used to lose all those games. Seven nothing, it still hurts a lot. And I, uh, I sit at section 104, which is behind the visitors bench. So I give it to the Red Bulls every time they come here. They know me. I heard a few Red Bulls chants after the uh, the victory. Oh, you will, you'll hear it here soon. You'll hear it here soon. I like the, the chant, but I don't like to say something about Jersey because they have not. It's not their fault. You know, when they say F Jersey, no, that's not right. Well, just to let you know, I'm from Jersey, so yeah, I appreciate no, all no, the love no, you no. can give. But I also love New York. Absolutely, no. Well, New York and New Jersey is the same. You know. But it must be so meaningful to you, your family, friends. You say uh, these people that you've sat with all these years and just to reach this point must be, uh, I don't know, is it emotional? What, what do you feel? Of course, very emotional. I'm, you know, I wear my, you know, my uh, thing on my sleeve. I don't know how you say it, but yeah. Uh, when they scored up, I was 10 minutes before the game, I went downstairs, I couldn't take it anymore because I knew something was going to happen. That's just us. We can't win easy. We cannot win. You know, this was not a Cincinnati game. We cannot win five, six, nothing. But uh, I went downstairs and I came back five minutes left. I still knew it. And I have the, I had the, you know, I had my watch on. But the time it was 18 seconds left in my watch. It felt like somebody. I mean, we couldn't say the whole section couldn't say anything. I saw you, you walked by, so I was. That was where I was standing. Oh, when you walk down, you walk down just below everybody, yeah, just yeah. to yeah. right, correct, correct. But yeah, it felt like yeah somebody punched you, and then it took a little while to recover. Yeah, but they did, and I, I wondered what the supporter section must have been like at that moment, doing the broadcast. It was almost you know the air just kind of came yeah. out of you. Yeah, the air came out of all of us, but and it took us probably about ten minutes to recover, and that's when the team started playing better too, because the first ten minutes of Portland you know, had us in the ropes and the overtime. And after that, that was it, that was their best shot. Once that happened, we knew that was our best shot. We were gonna win with a goal or we we're gonna go in on penalty kicks. 
So you think? So you think the reporters, uh, the supporters, recovered at about the same time as the team? Yes, I think so. Even though we had Sean Johnson giving everybody a pep rally, and people were trying on us, but we just couldn't. I couldn't. You know, my daughter was crying. My uh, my friend was crying. You know, I was crying. I cried at once we won, but you know, they were. I was hugging my daughter. I was like, so devastating. It was devastating. Yeah. And then you go from that to Alexander Collins approaching that final kick. Describe that. I was just unreal. I just, you know, somebody pinched me. This is not real, you know, but it will work. But we were so close, the 18 seconds. So that when they won, it was a little bit anticlimactic. Not really, but it was a little bit. Because I said, we 18 seconds. And I was like, you know, I, I couldn't wait, you know. That's kind of reflective of the city a little bit, don't you think? The fact that they remain resilient through a lot of adversity. The same thing happened in New England, right? Correct. Same thing happened in New England. We, you know, they, I think a lot of you know, the teams, when they come to New York, they take the city, they, you know, they take the, the uh, personality of the city. You know, they do right away. Even though, you know, Tati, I don't know if he doesn't speak English or, you know, Morales, but they all take that, you know. It's just a passion. You know, they're real football fans first and then they became players. So that's the difference. They feel it, you know. That's the difference. You're from Queens and the recent stadium talk is now moving in that direction. Does I, that make you happy? I heard that when you were on the on FX the other day, FXFC. I heard you said that, so I was I couldn't wait. And I spoke to Jason after the, you came on. And I told him, Well, best news I heard. I said, I live I'm Wyston, you know, two, three miles from Chase Stadium. That's what I call it. Even though I'm a Yankee fan. Uh, but yeah, it would be unreal. And I hope they do. And I tell all the fans, whoever's listening, that's a member, that they gotta call the city council, they gotta call the assemblyman, because it's the politicians that don't wanna help us. The city group is ready to do it. You know, 153rd Street and Giraffe Avenue, perfect. Why not? Why is the city holding back? Why they, you know, why don't they wanna do it? You know? So maybe I will have it here at Flushing Meadow Park. I'm a runner, so I'll, I will be running there all the time now. A lot of stadium chants when New York City FC President Brad Sims gave his speech. Well, the players won't have much downtime. The MLS Cup winners qualifying for CONCACAF Champions League. And they learned on Wednesday that they will meet Costa Rica's Santos de Guapilas in two legs beginning in mid-February. Thanks to Rob Vartugi and Sean Johnson and Oscar Garcia. This is Glenn Crooks on Frame.